The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. Division occurred again among the Jews because of His words. They were doing no fight. They do okay until Jesus speaks. I would suggest to you that will cause, the word of Christ will still cause division. I'll do it today. Watch. Many of them were saying he has a demon and is insane. Now, you've got to understand, in those days, they, they equated insanity, mental disorder, with demon possession. Now, we all know today that there are mental disorders that are caused by physiological issues. All right? But there is an association in those days. If you had a mental issue, you obviously have a demon. Not necessarily. It could be, but we all know today that's not the case. But in their culture, they associated that. So it's not necessarily they're saying two separate things. They're they sort of saying the same thing in their culture. Why do you listen to him? Let me, let me put it in the way the first guy said it. Did he really say did he re really say that he's going to lay down his life and take it up again? Did he really say he knows the Father like this? Did he really say he knows his sheep like this? Why did you listen to the crazy guy? Others were saying, mm, these aren't the saying of a demon possessed. A demon can't open the eyes of the blind, can he? Jesus' words and actions are not those of an insane person. Now, I've, you've probably heard this argument from Josh McDowell or somebody else if you've been around in Christianity for a while, and in particularly in apologetics, that is defending the Christian faith against criticisms and arguments of other worldviews. That you only have two options. Jesus was either who he said he was or he was insane. Come on, he claimed to be God. He claimed to come down from heaven. He claimed to forgive sins, right? So his claim, he's either nutsoid or he's right. These guys taking this path, it's nuts. That's what it's got to be because he can't be right to their view. Others going, wait, wait a minute. Before I, before I make that assumption, I, I look at the whole guy here and I don't, I don't see that. But it does connect this uh, parochopy, this section, with the previous section when Jesus healed the man that was born blind. One of the significant parts of that was nobody has ever been healed, it says in the text, and there's nowhere in the Old Testament where anybody ever who was born blind could see. There might, there might have been times when somebody had, had an ailment that caused their eyesight to fail, but, but then they healed, they, they grow over it, the disease goes away, whatever. But when you can't see from the get-go, yeah, I don't know about that one. Only God has that power to create. Now I want to, we broke the text down a little bit there, but now I, I got to go to the theology. Yeah, I said theology, I use that word. And theology includes all kinds of things uh, in the area of maybe it might be salvation. That's called soteriology. Eschatology is the end time stuff. Okay, Christology is who Christ is. Theology proper is when we talk about God himself. 
So theology encompasses a lot of that. But I think here we have to address the area of soteriology. To do that, allow me to define a term for you. You've heard many times in the church world that is atonement. In the Old Testament, that word's used of that cover of the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, with the, you've seen it, we've all seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? With the cherubims, with their wings going like this. That top plate that set over the Ark, underneath it was the law. Okay, over it was suspended that pillar of cloud by day and fire by night representing the presence of God. This was called the mercy seat or the atonement cover. And that's where they would, on the, on the day of atonement, they would sacrifice that lamb, sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. So as metaphorically, allegorically, as God in the presence here is the fire and the smoke, looked down at the law, he looked through the blood of the lamb. Now, I don't think I have to explain the symbolism of the typology to you for that. Okay, but when we get to the New Testament... And look in particular at the Greek, which I won't burden you too much with. But there's two concepts put there. That's expiation and propitiation. You go, huh? I know. They're, they're Bible words. Okay. But expiation is to appease, to placate, to conciliate, to satisfy. In particular, to placate, to satisfy, right? The wrath of God's justice. Propitiation is to make favorable... He be well, make, well disposed on the behalf of another. So atonement is this. On the behalf of another, the anger and wrath of God is appeased, placated by the sacrifice of the Lamb. The wrath of God is appeased by the sacrifice of the Lamb. The atonement has made was made to satisfy the justice of God through the substitutionary atonement, substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to listen again now. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. He says it again in verse 14, 15, when he's talking about his intimate relationship with the Father and he knows the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. According to Jesus' words, for who did he atone for? The sheep. If you're not offended yet, you weren't listening. When, he, Jesus, when the angel appears to Mary and tells her about this child that she's going to have, this virgin's going to have, he will save his people from their sins. Who will he save? His people. Later on in the chapter, Jesus says this to his audience in verse 25, 26. We'll touch on it some less next week, but we'll take another path as we go. There's so much there. Jesus said to them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness of me. Now listen, but you do not believe because you are not my flock. Here's how most Americans read that. You are not my flock because you do not believe. That's the way most Americans read that. They, they read it right, but the brain goes, 
You're not his flock because you don't believe. That ain't what Jesus says. Since you don't believe because you're not one of my sheep. That's tough. When, he, when he's asked about, and Matthew and Mark ask about, why do you speak in parables? Jesus says, because if I didn't, they'd get it and they might believe, and I don't want them to. Unless you're a universalist, that is, everybody goes to heaven, like our Mormon friends, my Mormon neighbors believe. Everybody gets there, just your, your different levels, right? Unless that, you agree that the atonement is partial or limited in some sense. The question is, what limits it? Now, it's clear from Scripture, not everybody's saved, right? I mean, that's, that's clear from Scripture. We see, basically, we get to the end of the book and those people are being thrown into the lake of fire. Right? So not everybody's going up, some are going down. So universalism's out of the picture. So when Jesus appeased the wrath of God, he did it for some, but apparently not for all, because if he did it for all, there is no wrath. That's what hell is, the wrath of God displayed. The question, again, is what limits that a synergistic view synergism putting together blending cooperating says that the atonement that is the appeasement of god's wrath by the substitutionary atonement of jesus christ only becomes effective when you have faith and belief you are the determiner of your fate eternal faith. You are. I'll quote to you from a website. Uh, I'm not going to categorize this because I, I just don't want to do that, but a website that focuses on this synergistic view. First of all, no one is saved merely by the atonement of Christ. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood. His shed blood saves no one. The atonement by itself saves none. It is faith in Christ that saves. Only those who appropriate his atonement are redeemed and forgiven. So here's what basically it. The cross made atonement possible, not actual. That's your option. That's how you got to deal with some people go to heaven and some people don't. Some people experience the wrath of God. What is the determining factor? You, in this case. you got to cooperate, is a term used, with the Holy Spirit, with God, to make Christ's work accomplish anything. So when he said it was finished, it wasn't finished. It was just made possible. If... Christ bore the sins of everyone, of all sins, of all times, of everyone. No one is going to hell. If so, God is unjust because their, their sin is being punished twice. Punishment came upon Christ for their sin, but you know what? You didn't believe it, so you're going to get punished for it too. But God is not unjust. Well, what about the sin of unbelief? Well, if he died for the sins of everyone, for everyone's sin, for all their sin, that would include the sin of unbelief. 
Unless he didn't die for all sins, just all the sins except for the sin of unbelief. You ever thought about it this deep before? Have you been to our church? You have. To those who say that's the case, that he died for everybody's sins and so on, listen to Samuel, God giving a word. I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for. Wait, wait a minute, if you atoned for everybody's sin, sin on a, that includes Eli's. Isaiah 22 and 14, the Lord Almighty has revealed this in my hearing. Till your dying day, speaking of these particular people in Jerusalem, this sin will not be atoned for. Now, I could take the time today, but I'm not going to. There are various, quote, proof texts for universal atonement. If you want to talk about those, I, I will send you uh, some papers I have written addressing each and every one of those. Okay, I can send you some by other people that can address those. Because we cannot allow Scripture to contradict itself. If it is contradicting itself, we have a misunderstanding of what's being said. So when Jesus says in Matthew, For this is the blood, or this is my blood in the covenant, which I poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Well, no, no, that should say everybody, not many. I, I can't do that. Isaiah 53 and 12. Therefore, I will allot to him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for their transgressions. Hebrews 9 and 28. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin for those who eagerly await him. So many qualifies the word all. Now we have done this so many times in this church. All very seldom means all. All typically means all of a particular category. So all the young adults today will be here for pizza after church. All young adults in the world? Every young adult? No, we mean the ones here. The word world, the word cosmos, um, John uses the most. Again, I'll give you a paper I wrote on that. John uses it more than anybody else. Very few times I think of it as his 95 uses in both his uh, uh, gospel and epistles could ever be interpreted to mean every human being that ever lived. We have to read that in the context when Jesus says, my sheep. Matter of fact, most of the time in those contexts where we see all or world, there's also our, us, we, and that qualifies who they are. All right? Most of the time, by the way, the world's used the way we use it, the non-believing world. That's the way it's used most. Okay? We have to, those alls and world have to be interpreted through the many. It 
2 Timothy 1 and 9, for he has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now, who's the us? You can speak up, it's all right. Who's us? The Christians, believers, right. Not according to our works. Not according to our faith, our, our belief. I can show you in Scripture where belief is granted, faith is given from Him. But according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ from all eternity. God appoints people to believe, Acts 13 and 48. God chooses who is holy and blameless, Ephesians 1.4. God calls according to His purpose. I just read that in 2 Timothy 1.9. God chooses us for salvation, 2 Thessalonians 2.13-14. God grants the act of belief in, believing, Philippians 1.29. God grants repentance, 2 Timothy 2.24-26. God causes us to be born again, not our faith. God causes us to be faith, or born again, 1 Peter 1 and 3. God draws people to himself, John 6, 44 and 65. God predestines us for salvations, Romans 8, 29 through 30, and adoptions, Ephesians 1, 5, and according to his purpose, Ephesians 1, 11. I know, it's too much for you to write. God makes us born again, not by our will, but by his will, John 1, 12 through 13. God works the faith in the believer, John 6, 28 through 29, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. As Martin Luther said in his book, The Bondage of the Will, which I really recommend you read. Timothy read it recently. Uh, Martin Luther is a very witty fellow, as he wrote. If grace depends on our cooperation, then it is no longer grace. If it depends on me at all, it's not grace. Grace is it's given without you doing a thing. Well, wait a minute. Don't I have to believe? Don't I have to? Yes. But God does that. You don't believe. You don't have faith. You can sit in a million church services and a million evangelistic crusades, two people side by side. One of them comes to believe and put their faith in the Christ and the other one. They both had the same message. Is this guy smarter than that guy or that gal? One of them is smarter than the other one? One could get it and the other one can't get it? One's smart enough to choose, the other is not smart enough to choose. They, they're not smart enough to choose God over hell. No, God draws. No one comes to the Father but through me. And it's the Spirit and the Father that does the drawing. There is no other gate, there's only one gatekeeper. That's how it's done. We don't like the idea that he died for his sheep. We want to believe he died for the goats, the wolves, the pigs. Oh, pick your animal. But Jesus tells us specifically that he died for his sheep. I want you to comprehend that for a minute. Before there was time. There is no time space. Nothing exists but the self-existent one himself and three persons. Before he decided to say, let there be light, he already did this, I will die for you. Not that one. No, wait a minute, you think that seems unfair. I hate to tell you, none of you deserve to be died for. 
None of you deserve Jesus Christ. We're all, the moment he creates, Adam stumbles. Every one of us is sentenced to death. And he reaches by his own choice and pardons out of it. He doesn't go, hey, here's what i got to do. Um, you know what? I've decided you're going to hell. No, no, no. You're all going there. It's by grace that he brings the pardon. Before time began, he chose you. Ponder that for a minute. Why me? I don't know. There is nothing in me worthy to be chosen. There is not one good thing in me without him. It is Christ and his work in me. It gives me any value. I'm not lovable without him. It is he in me that makes me lovable to God. Let, just lay in bed tonight and I want you to ponder that. There is nothing. And God says, I'm going to create and I'm going to pick you. Well, why me? To the glory of his grace. To the exaltation of the Father and the edification and the glorification of the Son. That's why. It ain't about you. It's about Him. They think a man is crazy when he says that. You guys don't get it. <laughs> it's about me and the Father and it's our plan, not yours. You're insane. I know. It, it, it is almost insane to comprehend why God in eternity past Whatever, call this sheep by name. It's personal. We, we, we ponder the idea that he knows the stars by name, but he calls me by name. Before the beginning, how does, I don't know. I can't comprehend the world without, existence without time. I, I can't do it. But I sure can't do this. I can raise my hands and give glory to his name. I can bow before him because I recognize this. I am unworthy. It is his sovereign grace that called me out of that darkness into the marvelous light. It is his sovereign choice to love me, not because I'm lovable. All I have left to do is worship him. That's all I've got. I can't give you a list of five reasons why. Because I had enough faith and that guy didn't. I believed and that guy wouldn't. No, no, there's no I in the message. It's him, 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 him. That leaves me on my face before the throne of God saying, God, how, how, I don't understand how, but I know you're worthy of my praise. I don't understand what you did, why you did it, but I will bow before you and I will praise your name for eternity because you told, oh, come on, people, somebody preach. Before time, I cannot grasp that kind of love. I can't. I love my wife beyond anything else on the planet, but there was a day I came to love her. I didn't know her before I met her. But he loved me before I met him. While I was yet a sinner. When I ignored his existence, denied his word, ran from and rebelled against his truth, Christ died for me. Me. Ponder it for a minute. Put your mind around it. You can't. Put your spirit around it for a minute. Should have did this one before worship. The next time you come into church and they're playing a song you don't like, remember this, it ain't about you. It's about one who did it all. 
by his sovereign choice, by his great grace. The only reason you could sit here today and open your mouth in true worship and spirit is because he chose to redeem you, bring life to a dead man and woman. That we would spend eternity in his presence. You always wonder, what would I do in heaven forever? Well, I hope you just got an idea. Every person, man, woman, and child, will kneel before his name. The sinner will not go, hey, hey, this ain't fair. They're going to bow before a holy, righteous, perfect God and go, yep, I deserve everything that I'm going to get. The believer, on the other hand, will bow before that perfect, holy, and righteous guy and go, I don't deserve any of this. I did nothing to be here. All I can do is claim this, Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. That's all I got. Is Jesus. It's his cross. It's his blood. As he looks down through the law, all of it I've broken. The only thing I can claim is the blood of the lamb. That's what I call on. I can get excited about gospel, folks. All right? When we make the Bible the gospel about us, we've made a new gospel. The gospel is about God, his sovereign grace, And Jesus Christ, who voluntarily took on my sin, this sheep's sin, and took my black wool and made it as white as snow. Because I'm a good sheep? Nope. Simply because he chose me to be his sheep. And he called me out of the pen by name. Let's stand. I know I have family <coughs> and friends that watch our live feed. You know what they're saying right now? That's right, preacher. It sure wasn't you. Because they knew me before. And they've known me since with all my weakness. They're amen and on the other side of the camera there. See, some of you, you only know me as the suit and tie preacher guy. Okay? Not as the inmate. Father, I give you thanks for your sovereign grace. I thank you, O oh God, that it doesn't depend on me because if it did, I, I'd be in a world of hurt. I thank you, God, that it's all through the blood of the Lamb. Every bit of my sin, past, present, and future, was taken by Him. And I am declared righteous by you through Him. That He gave me faith and belief. God, I could spend eternity thanking you, and it would not be enough. But we can give you all the praise and all the glory belongs to you. And we acknowledge it this day. In Christ's name, amen. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's Unchanging Word.